My mom uh, never let me walk with scissors, but now I'm blade running. Welcome to reshoot amateurs in no suits. Too many movies to explore. Ruthie, Hector, and Ed laughter till the end. Let's see something never done before. What? Do it. Do what? Do it. us. Yeah. Oh. Nice. <laughs> Welcome to reshoot an amateur's guide to gooder film. I uh, today we are joined by the Dodge Movie Podcast uh, people. <laughs> do you guys want to introduce yourselves? So do. Sure, I'm Christy Dodge, and I am CEO and uh, of Dodge Media Productions, um, the producer of the podcast, and I'm a filmmaker. And I'm Mike. I'm the chief fun officer of Dodge Media Productions. I'm also a filmmaker. Uh, guys, I think we need to tea on the pocket. We're supposed to be amateurs. What the hell? Finish making a movie or filming. Filming. Yeah. Yes. And 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 we're over here just bumbling around, trying to sound smart. Everybody is, I think, a film critic. I don't really think you need to have knowledge or expertise. I mean, it helps when you're communicating about it, but honestly, everybody has an opinion about film. Yeah, and some of them are more wrong than others. <laughs> That's a very nice thing to say before you start incinerating us. <laughs> yeah, great, great stuff. Anyways, today we are, I am going to very a hard, sorry, what? You forgot to introduce us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the other yeah. people. We have Dodge Media Productions, Dodge Media Podcast, and then us, Reshoot. I am one of your hosts, Eduardo. Hello, I am your host, Rachel's Eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> also known as Ruthie. I'm Deckard's really cool pistol. Also known as Hector. <laughs> uh, I'm a replicant. <laughs> he finally admits it. No. Yes. You'll, you'll get that joke later on. Yes. Um, today we are going to try, I mean, I'm going to try and reshoot Blade Runner 1982. I, I will do it. I will make it objectively better. No, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, so the reason we picked one of my favorite movies and probably one of the best <laughs> movies ever made is because of this collaboration with Dodge Media Productions. Uh, we talked about the movie. They have a very different format than we do. Uh, they, they talk about facts. And yeah, stuff. And, and, and cool stuff. Like, yeah, actually cool stuff. We think we're cool. They're actually cool. <laughs> Very Wait, nice. we're supposed to think we're cool? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like to think it. I mean, you know, yep. whatever. Yeah. Believe it or not. It's a good movie. Uh, as we get started, uh, so typically what we do right now is uh, this is the part where we try and I, I don't want to say synopsis because sometimes people mm-hmm. have, like the tagline, but we go through full spoiler the entire plot of the movie. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do kind of like a round robin thing or do one of you guys want to do it? How do you feel about giving the plot? Um, not I do not feel confident giving the plot. Okay. I do. One of you guys I've probably should it do it. I've seen five times. Oh, yeah, I can do it. Also, one thing. 
I guess I forgot to say this. Hey, everyone, reshoot. What we do is we take a movie that we like, dislike, or in between, and we just make it objectively better. I usually say that, but this is Blade Runner, so maybe not objectively. Yeah. <laughs> I will make it objectively better. No, I have no bad takes. No, <laughs> I am married to her. I, under threat of death, I will still say no. She's got some. She got some stinkers. I also got some stinkers. I was listening for five minutes last I feel. I feel my two fixes are decent. Uh, longtime listeners of Reshoot will know from my Godfather episode: no bad takes. <laughs> no bad takes. So, later on. Uh, so, for, uh, discretion, please watch the final cut. <laughs> There's like five versions. Watch the final cut. It's hard to find the other versions, but still. My first fix is to add all the voiceover narration oh. right back in. Alright, so, movie opens up with some text, which, whatever. Uh, just giving uh, points of the movie, or the world that they live in, which is uh, at, this, at this point, in the far future of 2019, they have uh, kind of bioengineered an artificial humans. Their their blood and and bone. They are, you know, for all intents and purposes, biologically humans. Uh, but they're stronger, smarter, sometimes, and other uh, more endurance and stuff like that. Uh, anyways, at some point, there was an uprising by replicants that were noticed that they were slaves and because of that they were banned from earth they are some off-world colonies where they are allowed and they they're also used for fighting wars and such and but yeah other menial labor tasks uh they were outlawed on earth and because of that there was a special division called blade runners that go out and hunt and kill, or how they call it, retire replicants that are on Earth. They take them to the farm upstate. <laughs> yes, That's right. They take them to the farm upstate. So a movie opens up with uh, a Blade Runner called Holden interviewing Leon uh, with this uh, Voight Kampf machine, is what they call it, which can detect if you're a replicant by asking questions that should incite a normal human emotional response. But replicants, since they have no memories and they are born basically full adults, they don't have those kinds of experiences to gauge and form normal, more normal human responses to these questions. And the machine can tell you if they're replicants or not. Uh, Holden gets Leon riled up with some of these questions. And Leon, I think, thinks that he's going to be found out and pulls a gun and shoots Holden dead. Uh, movie later goes on to uh, enter Deckard, Rick Deckard, our premier Blade Runner, who is at this moment in time retired from his Blade Runner days. Uh, but the LAPD pulls him back in to hunt these four replicants that were in an off-world colony, killed 23 people, hijacked a ship, also killed the crew, and brought it to Earth. I think they were on their way. I don't think that they were on the planet yet. No, they were. No, they were. They were. They were. They, uh, they didn't know where they were going to take the ship, and then when they, they found out it was on Earth, that's when they got Deckard. I'm pretty sure. Okay. And these four uh, replicants are Zora, a, I think she's the basic pleasure model, because they do that. Yeah. 
uh, Triss, who was actually a trained assassin. Pleasure and military, if I remember correctly. Yes, she she was kind of like an undercover kind of thing. She would, was used to assassinate high-profile targets in the off-world colonies. Then you got Leon, uh, the first replicant we see, who is an ammunitions loader, because he's extremely strong. And then Roy, who is the leader of the group. Uh, he is a basic uh, combat model. He's a soldier. For context, everyone, Ed's not looking any of this up. <laughs> no, this He's just all that from memory. Straight off the dome. Yes, I I have watched this movie at least five or six times. It is my second favorite movie. Second to 2049, the sequel. Um, yeah, so we get uh, the LAPD captain gives this rundown to Deckard. And uh, Deckard starts his investigation. Uh, now this is where I actually don't know what happens immediately after this. Actually. After this, he goes to Tyrell. Corporation. He goes to Tyrell immediately afterwards. Yeah, almost immediately. Yeah, and then uh, talks with Rachel mm. and and Tyrell himself. Tyrell has Deckard do the void Com- void contest on Rachel, mm-hmm. and uh, usually he said that it takes about what like twenty minutes to find out if they're replicant. Like twenty minutes. 20 questions. 20 questions to find out if they're replicant. He does the test on Rachel. It takes him over 100 questions, but Rachel is found out to be a replicant. The strange thing is that she has memories. They were actually implanted by Tyrell. They are Tyrell's niece's memories that she put on Rachel. But the other one contest can still figure out that she's a replicant, even though she has false memories. And very funny line where Deckard asks a question that is lewd, and she's like, is this a test to see if I'm a replicant or a lesbian, Mr. Deckard? (laughs) I love that. Um, (laughs) So after that, uh, he goes to... uh, He goes with, with the other Blade Runner... I forget, I forget his Oriani name. guy, and they or go to to like a bath, uh, an apartment that they were using. Yeah, yeah, the apartment they're using, and in there, his Blade Runner buddy finds a scale of some sorts, and Deckard also finds some pictures. Uh, with these pictures and the scale, he does some weird CSI zoom and enhance <laughs> stuff uh, to find a picture of Zora with these scales on her face kind of thing and he goes uh during this time roy and leon go to uh gong gong from uh everything James, at one yeah. james hong james hong who's <laughs> the he's the guy who designs the eyes for the replicants uh they go to him and they try to f- you still don't know what roy and leon and these four are looking for but they Give some questions about like their uh, bioengineering stuff. He doesn't know much about what they want, so he just directs them to. He's just the eye guy. Yeah, he's just the eye guy. He's designed <laughs> their eyes. Um, they can't see that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he directs them to Tyrell would know, and then since Tyrell's hard man to get to, since he's the corporation CEO, he directs them to J.F. Sebastian, who is. Another person of the bioengineering division kind of thing. He's like the, the main genetics yeah, guy. Yeah, main genetics dude. I think of the thermal genetic sculpting. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. 
with with this scale, Deckard goes and uh, talks to uh, people make artificial animals also because a lot of them are extinct. Uh, world's not in a great state. Uh, he goes to this person who makes uh, fish and she looks into the scale, finds the serial number and says, this isn't a fish, this is a snake scale. You have to go to this guy. So he goes to the snake guy, uh, threatens him and uh, finds out who bought the snake. Which, it's, a, uh, it's proprietary. It was a very expensive snake. Yeah. And there's only one person who yeah. bought like this whole series of snakes. The, yeah. And so he finds out who this was. Turns out Zora, he does this weird voice thing to kind of get close to her. Uh, Zora kind of figures out what's going on. Tries to get away. Decker chases her through the crowded LA streets. Finds a clean shot and shoots Zora dead. He also asks uh, Rachel to meet him at the bar. Oh yeah, reason. which is weird. He, he calls Rachel to meet him at the bar or to like leave or something. And then she's like, I don't think that's my place. And, and he's like, well, go somewhere else. And she's like, goodbye, Deckard. Which I, I don't know. That was weird. Um. Anyways, after killing Zora, he is met by the LAPD cop and says, uh, Deckard says, all right, three more to go. And the woman says, four. It's like, actually, four. Uh, that replicant from Tyrell, Rachel, she's gone missing. Uh, so, yeah, you have to go and kill her, too. Immediately after this conversation, Leon catch, uh, saw this all happen and grabs Deckard and starts beating him up. And he says, time to die. Uh, but... Through the scuffle, Deckard loses his gun, and Rachel was nearby, and Rachel picks up the gun and shoots Leon, killing him. Uh, after this, oh god, uh, Re- Deckard and and Rachel go to Deckard's apartment, and there's a very weird scene, re- very weird love scene between them. Quotes. Quotes, quotes love. Quotes love. <laughs> coercion is not consent. Everyone. Yeah, coercion is not consent. Uh, then he leaves, uh, he's, he's kind of like run cold on this. Uh, during this time, uh, Pris actually meets J.F. Sebastian, uh, takes, uh, calls Roy to come over and meet them. And they, they have, you know, try to get on J.F.'s good side, trying to, you know, they want to see Tyrell and, uh, Roy sees this like chess board that is has been played and he kind of moves with it and JF's like oh no like yeah that's a game I'm playing with Tyrell kind of thing and Roy takes that advantage and uh, they eventually get onto the Tyrell Corp headquarters take the elevator up with Sebastian which is Roy and Sebastian and Sebastian or Roy tells Sebastian what moves to make on the chess board and two moves, and it's checkmate for J.F. Sebastian, where he wins. So Tyrell lets them up, not knowing that Roy is in the elevator as well. So they get up to the room. Roy is, confronts Tyrell, and you find out that he wants more life. Because he's, uh, these replicants, Nexus 6s, only have a four-year lifespan, and Roy is coming up at that four years right, right about now. And Roy... A uh, soldier model seems to be also extremely intelligent, gives off these solutions to Tyrell, and Tyrell tells him how 
They've already tried these solutions and just creates viruses that will kill the host. So seeing as there's no hope, uh, Roy turns into his, you know, soldier things and kills Tyrell and also kills J.F. Sebastian before returning back. Uh, on the way back, uh, Decker gets tipped off that Tyrell and J.F. Sebastian were murdered. And I don't know exactly how he finds... Oh, he finds J.F. Sebastian's house. They tell him where he lives and he goes to the to the apartment where he finds Pris, who almost kills him. Uh, but he was able to get off a couple clean shots, killing her, before Roy arrives. And then uh, Roy and Deckard have this weird cat and mouse thing where Roy's having a lot of fun as he's actively dying. <laughs> uh, eventually, they get off to the roof. Uh, Roy, Roy catches up to him. Decker jumps off to the other roof. Doesn't quite make it. He's holding onto a steel girder. Roy easily makes the jump because he's stronger. As Deckard slips, Roy actually catches and saves him, which is unexpected, and pulls him up on the roof. And Roy gives his famous Tears in Rain monologue as he peacefully dies. Uh, then Gaff, that's his name, the other Blade Runner shows up, uh, says job's done, even though he hasn't killed Rachel. And he turns around and gives an ominous, it's too bad she won't live, but then again, who does? After this, uh, Deckard goes back to the apartment, is afraid that Rachel's dead. She's not, she's alive. They're, he knows that they're gonna come looking for her, but he doesn't want them to kill her. Uh, he takes her out. Oh, I forgot. Earlier in the movie, before he looks at the pictures, he has a vision or a dream or a memory of a unicorn running through a forest. As Rachel leaves the apartment, she kicks over a paper origami that Gaff likes to make, the other Blade Runner. And this paper origami is a unicorn, which is the only two references in the movie. He kind of looks, Deckard looks at it, kind of like knowingly confirming, nods his head, crushes it, walks into the elevator with Rachel, the elevator closes, and the movie ends. Yeah, dang. Again, most of that was off the I'm so impressed by that. <laughs> we have notes. Like, we sometimes even watch the films just a day or two before we record, and I need my notes. I cannot believe you did all of that off uh, the top. <laughs> again, I've seen the movie like five or six times. I know, but still, mad props. <laughs> yeah, I was just spacing out and visualizing, replaying the movie in front of, uh, behind my eyes. Just, yeah. It's that, pretty hard. Well done. Well done. ADHD hyperfocus at its finest. <laughs> Undiagnosed. We'll see. <laughs> um. So, uh, Mike and Christy, since you guys kind of picked the episode for all intents and purposes that kind of, <laughs> kind of makes you guys what we call the episode czar or Cesar. We're, oh. we're workshopping it but pretty much what that right. means is you guys feel free to pick who you want to go first if you guys want to go first sounds like you don't have to if you don't want to you can make us go first but you get to decide the uh turn order as it was oh, okay well i will just say um, I picked this because in film school, it was always put up as um, a classic noir, which it is. And I kind of enjoyed the beginning part of it where it, it checks all those boxes. You know, we have the VO from 
the detective and the, like I said in our episode, the lighting that came through um, the mini blinds and the and the um, angles, the hot dame that comes in, you know, with a problem. <laughs> yeah. So um, I love how it checked out those boxes. Quick, I don't think there's any VO in the final cut. Not yeah, the one we one we watched did have. A little bit of EO from Harrison from Ford. Harrison Ford at the very beginning. At the very beginning, that was not the final cut then. Huh. So you probably watched the director's cut. We watched, it was. It, yeah, it was. I'm not wrong, am I right? Because we no, watched. The, uh, we my, watched on Voodoo, which was the final cut, but I've seen it before on Amazon Prime. I'm pretty sure I saw the final cut both times too, so I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So oh. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that because it okay. checked all those noir boxes. So it was like, oh, okay, we're just settling in for a little noir. You mentioned in our podcast that how intentional and I don't know if you use the word slow, but slow. slower pace. I found that less engaging, I'll say. I won't use the big word. So you would improve it by going to quicker cuts. Quicker to just right. Kind of keep that audience i will say yes it's not the movie for everybody 100 percent. it's not the movie for me i hate I, I would say like a good movie that is probably for most people or m- more wider reaching than uh blade runner is everything everywhere that movie's phenomenal and a super lot of fun fast-paced. yeah super fast face a lot of fun uh and it does it does a good job of keeping you engaged with with blade runner it's i like it but i like how it's slow and you have to work a little bit to stay engaged in it it's very much more cerebral and not as fun (laughs) if anyone's listened to the podcast long enough you know what it likes (laughs) (laughs) well and i talked to a few other people and they found it boring too Uh oh so you know how they do the thing where you you recut a trailer instead of a comedy it's a horror film or whatever i'd love to have somebody who had a lot of spare time recut this as a michael bay film so no more than one second on each shot right just bam 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 also so like the tekken 3 fence jump scene <laughs> uh, haven't seen that yet is that it's fast it's breakneck pace uh, okay All right. it's a roller coaster uh, yeah. uh, and I, I don't mean it like Fast. I just mean it's a theme park ride kind of movie. Okay, sure, sure. It's fun though. So, so the reason I said I would go first is I I just had really like three serious things I would do differently. Okay, so I already said I liked the noir aspect. Um, I did like the costumes. I did like the sets. I thought it put us in that mode. Um, I'm gonna steal one of Mike's. I like <gasps> iron. Um. Probably when they were in England, because that it just looked more English than the like you know the what was it like the warehouse with uh, the, is the Bradbury the staircase and yeah um so I liked all of that. Wait, the Bradbury's in England? Uh, no, no, you said it was in L.A. But it, the, the the theory is it could have been built in a soundstage instead of uh, flooding the interior of the hotel. Yeah, that would be considered a bad idea. <laughs> Why would you waste water in LA to flood a theater? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Scott which seems like the kind of director who would do that, though. Yeah. Look, Christopher Nolan crashed a plane, and he somehow found a way to make an explosion look like an atomic bomb explosion. I don't question anything with movie. 
upgrades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no one's, no one's a psychopath. So. <laughs> James Cameron does what James Cameron does because James Cameron can. So, like, because James Cameron is James Cameron. That was there. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> James can. <laughs> <laughs> Point. <laughs> so, I appreciated the title card at the very beginning. I needed another one when hmm. we were either in Chinatown. Or were we in Tokyo? Because I very much felt like we were in Tokyo. And I even asked him, are they still in L.A.? And he goes, yeah, I think so. They're in Chinatown of L.A. And it was just like, no, this looks very Tokyo. So I was confused where we were. And because I knew he had seen it, I was leaning on him a bit. Um, So I would put another title card so I knew where we were. Um. And then I have to say, I just got really silly with it. I said I would add more incandescent lighting because it was so dark. (laughs) Um, Less eye gouging, more song and dance numbers, more colorful costumes, and less impaling. That impale when he, the, that. that Oh, the the male? Yeah, squeamish. Yeah, hate hate that. So. What would you name it? What? What would you name the song numbers? No, you you said this. I'm I'm going to finish it. What would you name some? Because I kind of want to join in on this. Uh, I feel like we could have a good snakeskin number. Oh, yeah. Also, um, to be human. That's a time. Oh, oh, very good. Replicant by me love. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> the deception shuffle when they're trying to sneak away. <laughs> I feel Zora could have a number. Right. She was oh, dancing. my gosh. Because she, she is. Well, um, she's a pleasure model. She could have been. You could have gone to the club that she works at and just kind of watched, and she has like a dance special number, number with dancing. Right? And Pris does cartwheels, yeah. so she could be a go-go dancer. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I could have a thing, thing that's based off of the chess game between Roy and Tyrell. Mm-hmm. My thought was when he said the uh, her doing the backflips is uh, like a weird Broadway kind of like cat style musical. Oh, there you she go. Just got the hair and the makeup for it. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so. I'll tap out and either you can go or... Okay. Well, I, I, so so my likes, I, again, I really like the visual style of it, right? The set design, the way it was shot. It's just got this cool aesthetic. Um, I, again, it's hard, hard for me to kind of separate because I don't remember what it was like before I saw this film because it established cyberpunk to me. So um, that to me, I, I thought it was just visually really cool. Um uh, from the dislike perspective, um, we can talk a little bit about um, <laughs> details when I fix it. But there are some things in there that were um, in 2023 thinking a little problematic, a little squeamish. Um, and it wasn't as clear to me um, kind of what um, what was going on narratively. And, and you, you, you called it, Christy called it a little slow. Um or, I mean, that's one way. Maybe it's slow. I, I I do tend to like a slower paced film. So for me, it was maybe just a, a little a little bit confusing there. But ultimately, not enough Rachel. So um, when we get to where changes I would make, the, the first and foremost change I would make is let's not use the N-word. Okay, that's one. Right behind that is let's establish consent a little bit better. Um, although that was actually part of what I thought was cool about it is the noir. And so my biggest thing was to lean more into that noir and let's see more Rachel. The femme fatale, I think, needs to have a more active and present role. And I, I missed her and I thought it was curious because this is um, at least the second time I, I, I've seen it. 
rewatching it, I was surprised at how little of Sean Young we saw mm -hmm. um, relative to to my memory. And I, I, I think that whole tension between them, especially because at the end of the film, um, we see them, uh, and this will maybe tell you which cut we saw, we see them in a car together. That is, not, that is the wrong cut. Okay. It's not a different cut. It's the wrong, yes. it's the wrong one. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you watched what I believe is not even the director's cut. It was the, like, since there are like four or five versions of this, there's the final cut, or in, in order of release, there's the theatrical, there's a different cut, then there's the director's, and then the final cut. So okay. You watched the one after uh, the theatrical, because it wasn't voiceover throughout the entire film. We saw right? the. How free was that? I can't compare it to anything, but I think we saw the Bezos cut. I think that's really what it comes down to. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, for, the, for the purposes of, of this podcast, we're going to pretend <laughs> we saw the final cut where the movie ends right as the elevator closes. On there. Right. That's, it's just cut to black there. Everything that happens after that did not happen. Mm. Uh, well, that's fine because it seemed like a commercial for a car company. Yeah. It re really tonally didn't match the rest of the film. Okay. That was also studio meddling. That's unused footage from The Shining. Hmm. Wait, what? Wait, what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, um, and, and so the the what I read was that the uh, agreement was they could only use footage that wasn't actually used in The Shining. But luckily, The Shining had like eight billion feet of footage, and so there was plenty to choose from. Um, but so to me, the, actually, the um, I think the relationship between uh, Deckard and Rachel is a key part of that. And as I see it, they are themselves kind of both uh, unique in that um, she is almost indistinguishable from uh, a human and he apparently is indistinguishable from a human. So the two of them together, that's an interesting thing. And then what I like also in noir is the femme fatale is not always on his side. So it would have been nice to have a scene where uh, we see that she's conflicted, right? Cause she's supposed to be helping Terrell, but then she's, you know, with him. And then there's the whole thing about uh, if she's, really replicant and she goes on a walkabout they're going to try to hunt her down and kill her or excuse me take her to a farm in upstate um but so to me that's really my biggest thing would be just more rachel i think that would work out well although i did think about teasing eduardo and saying i turned it into a story how she has an acapella group the terrell tammies and they're trying to get to the championships but i i won't do that i wish you could all could see so yeah for her twitter post it should just be well, when, when we upload this this is like eduardo's face during this podcast <laughs> uh, since we've kind of been going around the table yeah yeah uh first i just want to start a little discussion question uh there's everyone always discusses and now we discuss this on your podcast but you know uh deckard replicant or not i say replicant in most part because the director said so and i out of solidarity i have to go with the director i would go with mike it's stop wait so am i the only one that doesn't I, think no, no you i agree with you it doesn't matter whether it's humor or not again it kind of plays with the theme yeah. but like like I said on the on Dodge Movie podcast, uh, vibes just off vibes. 
Deckard is a replicant. It's all there. The eyes. He has the replicant eyes. Right. He has the. Why else would uh, his dude know the his partner know that about the unicorn unless yeah. Also, you don't get any of his backstory at all. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't have any. But yeah, uh, I. So to answer the question. so hard to say yes or no because it, it, I, I, it, you it, don't yeah. have to you just give your actual yeah, it, it, to me it doesn't matter and i don't think it should be a point of discussion at all it does it literally does not matter if he is or isn't the only thing that matters is if he is human enough or if no if he's relatable enough as a protagonist yeah, to follow to follow yeah that's all it is it doesn't because that's the whole point of the movie is that roy batty pris all these replicants they're all very human, even though they don't have like memories and things like that. They're still extremely human. And we kind of, Roy Batty does this really great thing of like being a soldier of combat mammal, but he's still very intelligent and he gives these profound statements and these, these, these deep thoughts that aren't usual for a replicant that has no experiences, but he's had some crazy experiences yeah no i i totally agree with you it's just turn off the brain lizard brain turn off monkey the brain, brain lizard brain yeah he has the eyes no no, no just ja- just on vibes alone like he doesn't just off the vibes he does not get along with a lot of like human people but he mm-hmm. seems to really get gets along with rachel he kind of get, gets along with zora for a little bit while she's toying with him <laughs> uh i don't know like there was some and kind he, he of, understands he, roy also. yeah just, just off vibes alone, mm-hmm. I think he's a replicant. And I I agree, it doesn't matter because he's a good mm-hmm. protagonist. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And not, 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 not a good person, really. Not, 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 not the best person. I wouldn't be friends with him. That's detectives. And that's like a regular detective in general. I not pretty people. But it makes a fun <laughs> protagonist. It does. Uh, so you for your uh, weaseling out with that answer. <laughs> It's I I I made that decision like the third time I watched it. I do like your perspective though. I think it is good, you know, because people can get hung up on certain things, and that's definitely something that I could tell in the trivia, and that I could tell Ridley Scott was tired of answering that question, and I think he felt like it almost like overshadowed the movie as a whole, and that's what you're saying. I'm almost certain that Ridley like. In, in earlier interviews, that question was has been asked, and Ridley Scott basically refused to answer. And then people kept asking and asking, and people kept looking into it and answering. He's like, "Fine, he's a replicant. Whatever. Stop asking me this question. Right. Ask about the movie." That's the sense I got too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would be like that. All right. Why is he making gladiator material? Because <laughs> money. Money. Anyways, so my likes. Uh, I like the fact that Atari's just there as a company. I'm like, <laughs> it's, so, I'm like I, I, it, it's one of those things where, like, some forms of dating mm-hmm. in movies I absolutely mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. This is one of those mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, Atari's going to be Megacorp. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh huh. Paint, paint, to paint the scene for you, lovely audience, we watched this, like, this last Tuesday. And at, at first, we were just watching this movie. And uh, Atari comes up and Hector's like, oh, Atari. And it's just like, shut up and pull up your phone. Write it down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, 
You get Atari posters in 2049 also. If that's to keep consistency and just have fun with it. But like, no. It, yeah, no. It, it's just funny. And Coca-Cola. To be fair, in 1982, I think it was King. Kind of. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. It was like Atari and Sega fighting for... Atari. Yeah, and, and Atari was winning. Not great. <laughs> hey, Sega has uh, Ticket Hospital, which is pretty rad. Also, uh, it has Sonic. Like, well, it that's wins. That's the only thing. No, Ticket Hospital. Uh, company. <laughs> uh, I think ET, you said this was this came out the same year ET did. Mm-hmm. This same weekend. Was, same weekend. So this is <laughs> sorry. I know what you're going at. This came out around the same time that the Atari vi- ET video came out. Uh, came which out. was a bomb, and that's exactly. a great documentary. Have you ever seen that documentary? Oh, to be know this documentary, but uh, for anyone who doesn't know, they made an ET video game on the Atari, and it was so bad Atari could not give these away i'm not joking they had to dig a hole in the middle of yep. mexico to put all the copies in because nobody bought it the worst part is it almost killed video gaming as a hobby which if you know me ugh. uh i think it's called atari game over and they talk about the the landfill with all of the games in it it's a great documentary why would they do that just keep the games around they told you were millions well at the time it's a great embarrassment right I mean, yeah. It was such a flop. Like, hindsight's 2020. Well, isn't that just like a tire fire? It's still burning at some place in Mexico? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's probably just like the power of hell keeping it lit. Silent Hill. All right. The atmosphere, really cool. The lighting, the little cigarette smoke that just adds more to like the look of it, the color grading. God, this movie, like I said in the Heart of the Dog episode, I love grimy stuff in movies. Uh, this was not less of a light, just something I found interesting. Uh, Roy sounds a lot like Clancy Brown, if you know who he mm-hmm. is. Oh, yeah. And he looks a lot there like can him. be only one. Mr. Krabs. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought that was wild. Uh, I don't know if this is a like, but I'm like, the unicorn has to be an implanted memory. And I'm like, how is that? Given that there aren't unicorns. I mean, I guess it, oh, they can you synthesize them. Yeah, they synthesize them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they could make them. They could make unicorns. Uh, I mean, historically speaking, unicorns, uh, they were just mis- misinterpreted, uh, misdescribed rhinos from Marco Polo's adventures. There was a guy who tra- traveled the world and he saw a rhino and he was like, that's a horse with a horn on its head. And, I don't know. Weird. That was before prescription eyewear. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I love how much this movie influenced sci-fi. Like, it's really easy to see. Like, we were saying, uh, Ruthie said Fifth Element earlier. There was, uh, I'm saving, the be- I'm saving that one for last. Uh, <laughs> that would be Bob, which if anyone who listens to podcasts knows. Firefly. Firefly. Ooh, very good. Firefly. Have you guys seen Cowboy Bebop? I have to ask. Uh, I would I would also add a little bit of more space cowboys like Dark Matter. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen it. Uh, I guess the most obvious one though is uh, Cyberpunk, the game. Uh, or seventy seven. Well, there's that or the I'm the tabletop too. Well, the tabletop mm-hmm. came out, out around the same time as uh, a little probably a little after. Mm-hmm. It was a nineties game, I think. Oh, I thought it was a late. 90s. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh. I can't remember, but yeah, it's. Uh, very, very like the night market 
in this movie looks a lot like the Night Market in Cyberpunk. Like, they're not hiding it. Oh, yeah. That, that reminds me of, like, playing the game recently, walking through the streets and just, like, the little shops all around. Mm-hmm. So, like, oh. It's so cool. Uh, the music does a really great job of showing that Deckard isn't mm-hmm. really a great guy for killing, uh, what's her name? The replicant? Zora. Zora. Like, I thought that was a nice like, touch. And even, and it even he's killing themes. Chris as well. Mm-hmm. It, it just leads to the theme of, like, you're killing humans in the sense. Like, yeah, they may not be the same as us, but they're still people. There was a really good detail I caught. And I don't know if it was, like, a makeup thing or if it was actually planned. But when he, Deckard's beat up and he's drinking some alcohol, some blood from his lip gets onto the uh, glass into the drink. And yeah. I'm not sure if that was, like, the makeup or if that was just a small detail. But either way, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, this like the enhance on the photo, which is I couldn't take it seriously. <laughs> CSI, CSI, <laughs> and the coercion sex scene mm-hmm. is a dislike. I like um, I like your idea about <laughs> putting in uh, having her be more in the movie. Mm-hmm. I, for the life of me, I can't think of what to do. Like I, I spent a while thinking about it, so I just try to fix my two dislikes. Um, I'm going to start with fixing the coercion between Rachel and Deckard. Mm-hmm. So she saves him. He's conflicted about, like, why would a replicate save me? And then also her being like, why am I saving a Blade Runner? And so she kind of wants the sex. I mean, she initiates it. But maybe it's, like, in a way to prove to herself that she's human and she's not oh, very good. a replicant. Like, if I can have, if I feel this and mm-hmm. I feel something real... Yeah. Hashtag feminism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the detective works. The other fix I have, I didn't. I couldn't think of too much. This is just like uh, Godfather all over again. <laughs> uh, yeah, just gonna have a list. <laughs> I've been told she can make the film objectively better. It's true. <laughs> So here's how the detective. God damn it! Uh, here's how. No, you're fine. It was just funny. Here's how the detective work will go. He goes to the ice box crime, like the ice room. Decker goes into the ice room where uh, James Wan character was. Mm-hmm. Remember the scene where the guy dipped his hand into the water? Right. He's like, yeah, he wouldn't feel pain. I'm sure the skin wouldn't be staying as it's supposed to be. Right. So mm-hmm. he goes there. He finds a bit of the skin. He oh. takes it to someone, and here's the thing. With, you know, a lot of corporations like to do cost step saving measures, right? <laughs> yeah. You know how much expensive it is to either use pure silicone or pure new skin? No, 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 no. It's half skill silicone, and half of it's just from cadavers that you mm. get on the cheap to save money. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes through like a database, and hey, the skin sample was found recently on a dead woman who hasn't been identified. Mm. So he goes in. He can't find anything. This woman seems to have a tiny apartment, very poor. She is in this world, since Ed mentioned this world's very uh explain the borders thing again. Or uh it's it's more explained in 2049, but LA is kind of surrounded by some board some walls kind of stuff, because there's a sea levels risen as well as uh there seems to be hints of nuclear war kind of stuff. A lot of the American Midwest is irradiated to 
shit, basically. It's literally Night City, dude. Just picture Night City in that. Yeah, because uh, like, like, in, cool. in 2049, they visit Vegas, which is extremely ready. Exactly. So, th- I, I know all this. It's my, my whole point is, just send a scene here. I don't think border security would be very tight, considering there's not much to protect. <laughs> so, she's just some, some other country or some other area where she's able to slip through, and she's just some undocumented stripper that works for this place mm. yeah. so from there he's like oh i recognize the you know he's like oh i've been in this strip club before i know where she i know exactly what's of going on would. Huh? of course he would have been to a strip exactly club. he's a detective it's the law so he goes <laughs> and uh, that's how he finds uh zora and then that that's all my fixes i just mm-hmm. i don't like the zoom enhance it's not very detective-y Oh, I, I like your fixes. Thank and, you. Uh, I think yours and mine might end up being a little bit similar. <laughs> since as Mike was talking and he was like, yeah, I want my Rachel. I'm like, I want my Rachel. <gasps> I know how I could get my <laughs> And I mentioned this, like, originally just when we were watching it. Like, I want my Rachel now also. Yes. Very good. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so what I liked about Blade Runner, um, Ridley Scott does a really good job. Uh, we talked about this in Dodge and... Uh, He's very much of like a, I'm going to pr- propose a philosophical question to you. I'm going to immediately give you the answer. My answer's right. You can give your answer. I don't care. Mine's right. That's very much like his MO. You can see that in Alien with this kind of like anti-capitalist, like mm-hmm. look how the corporation's screwing them over. And Prometheus kind of does the same thing, but a little bit different. But yeah, this is his MO to a T. Uh, don't at me, I'm right. <laughs> uh, Harrison Ford is a really good choice for a burnt-out, disillusioned cop. Uh, it's also kind of funny because uh, there's another movie that he was in before Star Wars called The Conversation. Uh-huh. He plays a very similar character, but he's not a cop at all. He's like a corporate goonie. Oh. Uh, it's really good. I think yeah. you should watch it. I it's uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Okay. Yeah, it's Francis uh-huh. Ford Coppola, and the mm-hmm. main actor is Gene Hackman. Okay, I'm ready to mm-hmm. cast And director. Um, I also really liked Rachel's eyeliner. It's really pretty. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could capture that myself. And uh, I guess, yeah, piggybacking on everybody else's likes, it's a really, objectively, it is a very good movie. It's, uh, it, it's related to film history. It's definitely something that you should have studied. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. However, However. I'm, I'm sorry, Ed. I, I you're mean, fine. You're fine. I knew. I knew. I'm like three. I'm less than three feet away from you. I'm in strangling distance. <laughs> like, I'm honestly, honestly, like I, I can take it. I've been mentally preparing myself. I know this movie has some weird shit that I know it's not for everybody. It would be. It, it, you, you should be scared if you were doing 2049. <laughs> okay. Painted on smile. It was great. I wanted to say something. Okay. Uh, dislikes. Obviously, we've talked about the the, the scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is really good. The pacing. There's something wrong with my brain. I'm admitting it. My brain does not absorb anything in this movie. It's like you t- put uh, <laughs> the Scotch Guard on it. Ooh. Any of the plot. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> analogy for it. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to pull the plot. And I'm like. Going on. Why why is he at the strip club? That's good. (laughs) And uh yeah, there was just something about it's like this is a detective movie. It didn't feel I wish it were it felt a little bit more detective-y. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um the zoom and enhance scene, I didn't like that. Also, the zooming and enhancing gave me a headache because of all the bright flashing. It was blurry, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, because like the eighties tech, like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yes. you see each individual frame flashing. Mm-hmm. I loved that for me. And <laughs> the romance was just weird because it's like they mm-hmm. they meet, they have one interaction where they're kind of standoffish. She calls her once, and he's like, "Hey, we can hang out." And she's like, "Fuck off." And then they're like kind of into each other. After <laughs> well, it's clear in that first. Season. I'm sorry, Eduardo. It's it's clear in that first scene that there's there's some tension. Little, yeah. So we know this is going to be, you know, this is going to be carried through the rest and of the film. And being coy with that, is this to see if I'm a replicant or a lesbian? Right. Yeah. Right. I feel like, I feel like they're, they're hoping that that momentum will carry from that one interaction because mm-hmm. there's not much there, else. Yeah. At least to me. I agree. I've seen movies that have done that. Like, hey, we had one really good interaction and that momentum is going to carry us throughout the entire movie. They, Ridley Scott does not write really good romances. I'll be honest. I feel like, yeah, uh, when it comes to like love, loving relationships, Alien 2 with uh, Ripley and What's-Her-Face, way better. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't mm-hmm. like romance. Mm-hmm. You mean Newt? Yes, right. Ripley and Newt. I'm so bad at things. Newt? Yes. Mm-hmm. Have you not seen Alien 2? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen okay. Newt Aliens. And it's like Ripley, Newt, and uh, the dude yes. also. Yeah, they were like going to be a family. And David was this a Shepard? I don't think it's Shepard, or maybe. Bishop, Bishop, it was Bishop. Oh, the Commander Shepard from the Citadel? No. Yeah, no, just the way that I'm getting I think it's really weird that they look and they look so much like humans. It just feels like there's an ego prospect to it. There's a vanity thing, of course. However, like there's also like a practical sense. Like when you look at robots that we make here in the real world, they don't always look like people because mm-hmm. the design uh, to get it to do the actual action, it's kind of inefficient to make it look like a person. So one thing I would do is just every replicant they've got, uh, or especially as they age, as they hit that four year mark, they start to look weird. Mm-hmm. Their hair starts to turn like unnaturally hot pink, or uh, I also had, or unnaturally white like Roy's. Yeah, just like they start. St- well, I start. They stop looking as human as they do. Or I was also gonna go with like a polydactyl. They have an extra. Each replicant has an extra finger, but that's a really easy like tell on. Uh, they, they do it better in 2049 when there's just like a weird like digital thing you can see in the bottom of their eyes. That too, but I do like my, I, I like the idea of just yeah, like, no, no, no. The, the slowly they're going to stop looking human when they start feeling more I, human. I, also, I'm, not, I'm not like, no, 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 no. I'm just saying what they do. Also, you can, you're saying uh, an extra finger would make it easy, but if you just chop off the finger and always wear gloves, yeah. you're still not going to get caught. And you'd also get a lot of people called Inigo Montoya going after you. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. That is a an issue. Although I guess if you don't kill people's dads, you probably have better odds. I mean, he's just looking for the six-fingered man. So maybe well, don't be a man with six fingers. I guess. <laughs> no, that confused me too because, um, and I can't remember if I asked Mike while we were watching it, but I said. If replicants are supposed to be shot on sight, wouldn't everyone else be frightened of a replicant or at least not want to be near a replicant? 
And so I found that confusing is as they were all moving through the world, especially the ones that seemed like everybody knew, like Rachel, everybody knew Rachel was a replicant, but as she moved through the world, they didn't hold her at a certain distance that I would think you would. Because they camouflaged so well. And Rachel was not known to the public, really. Uh, Tyrell was allowed to keep her because he's the one who makes the replicants. And, and so he's naturally also. I also assume that like the replicants have to be fitted out with like the extra strength or stamina depending on what job they are built for. That makes sense. So mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. like, Leon. like Leon's super strong. So yeah, he can lift harder, but like he probably can't run as fast or do the same flips as uh, what's her name? Chris. Chris. So right. which I don't know why Chris would do. What was she again? She's an assassin. Yeah, but, she was. But the she, she was. She, yeah, she that she, makes sense. She a lot of the time she would like co- like <clears throat> camouflage herself as like a, a prostitute. I have uh, to go in distress. She, she I wouldn't have one Rachel. No, that's not no two Rachels. Oh. Tyrell oh. has a niece, she is a real human person to prove just how well the technology is to make replicants. Three and a half years ago, they introduced the secondary Rachel. She has all the memories of the first Rachel. They do their hair the exact same way. There is no indistinguishable difference. And as far as either one is concerned, the other one could be Rachel, or it could be the replicant Rachel. They cannot tell who's who. Oh. And Rachel also works for the Tyrell Corporation. This is what I added on as you were talking about, giving Mm -hmm. her a bit more purpose. She works as a replicant uh, psychologist. She studies the psychology of these new people and... uh, Honestly, when Tyrell was like giving all the excuses why the replicants couldn't live as long, I thought that was BS. I thought he was lying. I think uh, they. I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, he. There's no reason why he would say the actual truth. And in my mind, she was one of the people who helped. Like, okay, we realize about like eight years in, they start to get like more peopley. Stop making them live that long. Four is the cap. So does Tyrell have a witness protection program for replicants? Where at the end of four years, they just shuffle them off and give them a new identity? Oh, no. No, it's the same thing. Where they just, oh, okay. The plan is, like, it's three and a half years. She's got, like, six months left. They'll start to figure out which one's the real Rachel. Because, again, replicants, they're going to stop looking super, like, human-y mm-hmm. in that time. And uh, both Rachels are going to kind of follow Deckard as he's doing his investigating and kind of give their... Uh, Theories on the psychology of what these replicants are doing. Uh, I think I would also switch out the way that Decker finds Zora. In my mind, I don't know, like, I kind of like the idea of, like, she knows she doesn't have much longer to live. So uh, she's kind of just, like, having a Hail Mary. Uh, She likes the snake. She likes all these living beings. So she likes to attack the replicant market while the animals are. So uh, she'll pick them up, and Deckard's kind of just like following in her tracks, hoping that it'll lead to the rest of them. I don't know how it will lead to the rest of them, but somehow it, it ties together more than just, oh, he finds out that Sebastian got murdered. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I felt like that was a very weak point. And he, he could just follow her to the hideout. Oh, yeah. She just eventually goes to the hotel after mm-hmm. everything happens. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm stealing that. I'm sorry. No, go for it. But yeah, I don't know. Like, at some point, like, Rachel starts to see, like, a shock of her hair just turns 
white. Ooh, very good. So now you can tell which one's the real one. And the replicant, Rachel, she vibed a lot with Deckard. Because Deckard, just off vibes alone, it's a replicant. Hmm. (laughs) Right, and so real Rachel would be maybe a little icked out by the concept of of the replicant. Yeah, yeah. Dude, if there were two Rachels, that would change stuff in 2049. <laughs> that would change a lot in 2049. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there would only be two Rachels in theory for about four years. Yes. Right. They wouldn't be able to, as far as I know, there's the, no way to save okay. her. But for four years, there was a second Rachel, a secret second Rachel. No. I forget that you haven't seen 2049. I have not. That's all about the. That's, yeah. So the audience couldn't see. He was about to say something. I was doing the stop it motion yeah. on the neck. So I'm like, she <laughs> hasn't seen it. She hasn't seen it. <laughs> okay. All right. Spoilers are okay, except for me. Yes. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. I really like the two yeah. Rachel's thing. Yeah, that's really good. Like, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I just, like, I blurted it out as we were watching it. What if there was just two? And Nick was like, shut up, shut up. I want to hear this later. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. So, my turn. What, how do I list the things I liked about this movie? There's just, like, it's just such a, well, such a good, complete thing as as a whole. Um, Oh, I'm being quiet again. I should stop doing that. Um, It's just such a good, the whole thing. From second one, it's good until the second it ends. Is that what I'm hearing? No, even even in the end, I <laughs> the whole thing, even how it ends, even everything, it's just so good. I love I love the the cinematography. I love the lighting. I love the sets. I love the costumes. Also, the score just gives it more impact on what you're looking at. at this amazing world that they don't even delve that deep into but you get a a good a very complete sense of what it is like to live in this world you get a a sense of how replicants are treated by normally born humans you and you you kind of like understand this discrimination it's happened throughout all of history but it's just it, it gives the discrimination of what we do, what we've done, even less value because these things are, they're human. They just weren't ever born. Like It's just like, it's just so stupid to be, to, to think someone less human just because of the circumstances that weren't under their control. Sorry. Um, and just, the character of Deckard is interesting and you can just feel like the vibe is so good with him also yet yeah, and I, I'm not sure I agree with you with the vibe of him feels replicant but just like you can tell that he's good at his job and he's not enjoying yeah, no. the job really. No this was like my monkey brain just like <laughs> yeah. have you ever not paid attention and you get the, like the impression you get an impression somebody mm-hmm. that is what happened i just watch it and i'm like he doesn't strike me as like being a human he strikes me as being a replicant yeah yeah and yeah there's just so much so mm-hmm. much good in this movie and again the only 
The only real dislike is the dated freaking weird scene with Rachel. That's the only thing that I honestly dislike about the movie. But is that scene there? But. Because would replicants know how to be tender, how to be romantic, yes. how to be. They don't. They, well, she might because she has implanted memories. Okay. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a big inhale of copium to cope with this and i'm gonna say that the reason deckard is so aggressive and i don't want to say the word but right you yeah yeah um is because he himself at that moment in time doesn't value replicants as full uh-huh. humans he views them as a tool or just something not and that's why he does it that way and forces it i thought that was well i thought that was guns i sound pretentious i'm not trying to i thought that was obvious because that was my apparently it's not obvious it's not obvious to everybody it's not obvious to everybody people just thought he was a asshole yeah kind of thing okay so um yeah I mean, you can see that kind of behavior with how some people act in real life. Like, you don't have yeah. to do the replicant. Correct. You can even read it another way where mm-hmm. he sees her as a woman and he's like... Like, yeah. There's two examples of famous people that I know. Amy Callahan and the lead singer for... Or the lead queen singer for Dance Game and Dance also did this kind of coercion thing. I don't remember Amy Callahan do that. That one makes me sad. Yeah. At least he apologized. And so did Tillian, the Dance Game and Dance dude. But I know it sucks. It's it shouldn't have been. Andrews didn't. Uh, apologize oh yeah, well he was he was kind of like a excuses, and I like the way Tillian did it better, where he was like, he didn't even offer explanations. Like I was wrong, like I shouldn't have done that, and he gave up one one excuse that uh, the, their bassist had recently died, just shockingly out of nowhere. So he said I was grieving and I wasn't thinking straight. I'm sorry. And then he slipped away from the band. And then six months later, he came back. That's fine. Um, where was I? Oh, the dislike of that scene. So, yeah. That's... It's, it's not obvious to everybody. I've shown this to several people, and they all thought it was weird, especially in this day and age. Uh, well, we're more aware in this day and age. It's always wrong. Um... But my copium keeps me alive. (laughs) Okay. Um, So now, my fixes. I have three now. I came in with two. I started with one, talked (laughs) with a friend, two, and now three. All right. So, my original fix is, like everyone else, make the scene not as weird. To help with that, I would actually have Rachel meet him before he finds Zora. Or like when he calls her to the bar, she actually goes and this is before she's being hunted. And they kind of just, you know, have a little bit of a coy, flirty chat at the bar while Mm -hmm. he's waiting for 
I guess Zora to be done with her show. We can have the dance and bring the club. And Rachel comes in and she's like, I don't think this is my vibe. I was like, no, it's kind of cool. Just like chill for a little bit. Like, you can go on your way as soon as you want. And they have a little bit of a quick chat. And I think that would actually fix uh, a little bit. And also, not make him as aggressive when the scene happens and have, have Rachel kind of, yeah, initiate. <laughs> And then Decker takes the, the lead right after that. He's like, oh, she's into me. And he's like, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> and now the second thing is uh, actually a talk I had with my friend about it. Uh, shout out to Victor uh, for bringing this light to me. So it is explained that uh, Roy Batty and his entourage, there were six of them originally, right? And during their escape, uh, two of them get caught in, I think, like a electric fence kind of thing, and they get they die. And they also killed twenty three people before they hijacked the ship. They hijacked the ship and kill all the crew as well. And I don't, I I would change it in that they didn't kill anybody. They, the replicants did not kill anybody because he kind of he explained it to me in a way of like, well, yeah, they're hunting replicants because they're banned on Earth, but they also killed a bunch of people. Like it's it, like they're hunting them for both things, but it, in the movie, it's more emphasized that they're just on Earth and it's mm. outlawed. So that I would change that to yeah, they didn't kill anybody and make it a point that it's it's weird that all these strong altered replicants killed nobody and just came to earth and i think that would that would add it more to the to their humanity kind of thing because that's that was his main issue with it mm-hmm. they, didn't, they still didn't feel as human because of the killings that they did if you wanted to add to the tragedy maybe one person died but through dialogue, it's explained like, oh, yeah, somebody yeah. got caught in the crossfire, and, and, but it was the human that shot another human. Yeah. And, and it's getting pinned on Roy. Yeah, and, and Roy, or or it could be that Roy, the soldier thing, just like clicked for him and he accidentally killed someone. When he when he goes to Tyrell, he's like, I've done questionable things. Brings more emphasis to that line. Because when he says that line, you just know that he's a soldier. But when you sit, when you add in that like Roy killed a human, and when he says that line, it gives more impact to it, where he's where he's actually like feels sorry about doing that, about killing a human, because I think uh, replicants are used on both sides to fight. So I would change that to give them more humanity and make it more uh, sad that they live so short and that they are hunted for just existing. Mm-hmm. And the third would be, yeah, more Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, we we need the femme fatale in it more. But yeah, uh, again, asterisks for all these fixes. It, movie's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of merging the first and third, would it work to have her in a break? Maybe after Zora's set, uh, Rachel picks up the the microphone and sings to Decker some sultry song that's her her first the first tension between them is because yeah. yeah 
or uh, I wish you could remember a song from Bodyguard with Whitney Houston. But yeah, <laughs> but I was just thinking, wouldn't that be in keeping with the noir tone to have the smoke filled bar and he's got a, a, a low ball of whiskey and then. And she's yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, maybe the cigarette holder. Oh, I don't know what happened yeah, to those, yeah. but yeah. She, she was smoking through that when you yeah. first knew. I like it. So what we like to do usually in the end is uh, we like to say like something we've, well, after letter grades, we like to say like something we've been watching or reading or any media we've been into. Okay. But yeah, now comes the part where we say our grades. Our grades yeah, yeah we, we, we give a letter grade to the film. Plus or minuses are allowed. Double plus or double minus. Also. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I think I'll first. Um, I hate to say this. I snoozed a little during this film. So I would have to give it for that reason, like a C. Because it didn't it didn't keep my attention. Actively wretched. I know. I didn't want to say it. Ed looks like, uh, if you've seen It's Always Sunny, like Dennis right before he lets loose. <laughs> I, oh, oh, what is it? I have become untethered. And my, and rage, my rage knows, knows no bounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not really. I understand it's not for everybody, so. So I would, um, I would probably give it an A minus. I would have given an A before, but as I mentioned, I think off air, rewatching it, I, it wasn't as cool as I remembered. You know but it, it still is very cool. Um, and I think it's um, it's groundbreaking. And it's one of those films that's part of uh, the lexicon of film. So I, and I think it holds up well from that perspective. I just didn't like it quite as much as I remembered. Because you didn't watch the film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, okay, Jeff Bezos, it's your fault. Yeah. Dog and bone, Ed with Playground. <laughs> it's about the difference. It's the same picture. <laughs> uh, a, A plus. I, it, it, it's just cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's pretty neat. B minus. It, 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 it's... So, like, it inspired oh, so much of media that I deeply enjoy. But it's like, like I said, my brain's covered in anti-Blade Runner Scotch guard, and you're just trying to pour the plot into my ear. And it, like, the first time I genuinely understood the plot was when Ed was reading it out from his brain. I'm not mm-hmm. kidding. Mm-hmm. Not just now? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Guess. Yeah. Guess my grade. F minus. minus. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an A plus. Straight second, C. It's my second favorite film of all time. Uh, uh, I have a list of top five, and they're all A plus. Twenty forty nine is plus plus. Because ten movies, perfect. Um, yeah. So usually we say what we want to, what any media, but you guys do film, and I want to ask a few questions about that because that's really interesting. Sure. Is that some of you guys? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was still going to ask. So, what's the, I guess, what's your uh, production company? It's Dodge Media Productions. Okay. What kind of, uh, do you do like normal films? Do you do like commercial? Like what, what kind of, what kind of, 
Okay, so um, because indie film, especially as we do it, is not a money maker, <laughs> we uh, do provide commercial services for small businesses and entrepreneurs to create videos for them. Oftentimes it goes on their website, social media, uh, instructional videos, how-to videos we've been hired to do. And that's what allows us to create a treasure trove that we can then produce our own short films. And so Mike writes mo uh, all of them so far. Well, one um, I did is my capstone. It, that's part of our, on our YouTube channel, A New Promise. And then he wrote Second Story. We're in post-production right now with around to it. And we're in pre-production for a collaboration with Little Swan Productions um, to start. That will film in the fall. That one's called uh, Panic Sets In. Real quick, what was the name of the one that you just finished filming now? That you're Around to it. Around to it. And where will that premiere? Well, it will. We'll do the festival circuit. Um, festivals don't like it if you put your movie on YouTube because then anybody can watch it. And so they want to have the exclusivity. So we usually take about a year to do the festival circuit, which means we're just picking festivals all around the country, a lot in Oregon because they like you to come to the festival. And so um, we'll pick uh, quite a few from Oregon, Washington, just because we can get there if we get chosen. Um, and then once it's done that festival circuit and we're like, okay, we're kind of done um, submitting to festivals, then we'll put it up on YouTube so everybody can enjoy it. And I would love to have a local screening. Um, so we did that with the first film. We have yet to do that with the second one, but yeah. Ridley Scott does like a lot of like sci-fi mm -hmm. and like Michael Bay does a lot of action. Mm -hmm. If you guys had a kind of like preferred genre, what kind of movies do you usually like? Oh, you take that one. Uh, like making or watching? Making. What's your filmography like? Well, uh, Second Story is a rom-com and that's certainly my favorite genre, but uh, Around to It and A New Promise, I'd say they're both probably dramas. So we actually probably do more uh, numerically more dramas than necessarily well, so far. Uh, so far. <laughs> um, I, I would uh, love to um, make a comedy, but they're harder. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't delve into the sci-fi? Well, um, I actually wouldn't mind if I had Ridley Scott's budget, <laughs> um, but um, because we're still uh, in the independent pool, uh, we we live with uh, restrictions, and certainly the advent of computing technology is making this better. Um, a friend of ours made a film called Gamer, and uh, it relied heavily on game style um, graphics on the screen. And I was, uh, Gerard? No, 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 it's a short film. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, wait, that one. No, um, and, and and I was surprised at how really professional the graphics looked for um for a very small budget film. So obviously, um, I think that changes it somewhat. But really, I'm mostly constrained by budget. Um, and maybe shouldn't be, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, and 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 she mentioned we're we're fans of the Duplass filmmaking model of trying to tell stories with a uh, limited number of sets and, and costume changes and things like that cast. because and cast because it allows us to tell a story that maybe we couldn't otherwise we couldn't afford. Mm. 
So where can we find these uh, films? So uh, we have a YouTube channel uh, for Dodge Media Productions. And uh, Second Story and New Promise are both there. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the other work as well as uh, some of your episodic stuff. Yeah, or our website has a, our website, dodgemediaproductions.com, has our commercial work. And where can we find your uh, podcast? It's on all major platforms, the Dodge Movie Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you uh, so much for joining us. Guys. Thanks for it's having us. It's fun. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. So. Uh, okay. the media we've, we've been into, right? Yeah, we, we, yeah we, let's put it in, in case you have extra time. Yeah, be nice. Cyberpunk 2077. My, my boy, you finally started it. Yep. Yeah. Which, which background did you Corpo, obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah, that, that is the best, uh, okay. starter class. Okay, I didn't Nomad, and the Nomad intro is so funny. Because, mm. uh, the, the premise is, you're smuggling with the, your best, who will eventually become your best car chase because the the cops immediately know you're smuggling something in and you get to his garage and you crack open the trunk to this mystery box and you're like what what is in here that's so important it's an iguana an actual real iguana <laughs> and, then, and then it's a party scene where you're partying with the iguana <laughs> like spuds mckenzie i liked it when you're just walking through the building and i would like call that case ma'am and then there's this guy called Frank. And I don't know why, but he's like, hey, be blow time, no see. And I'm like, just kind of walked up to him. I didn't know how dialogue worked in the game. Yeah. He's just like talking to me, and then the dialogue will just pop up. And I'm like, oh, weird. Because it isn't like a thing like Skyrim mm -hmm. or anything. You just kind of walk up to people and talk to them. Yeah. And I don't know why, but I had a very nice conversation with this art fake person called Frank, and I really like him. I think Frank comes back. Oh God! So, yes. No, Frank doesn't come back. I think all <laughs> more times. If I'm remembering the right uh, person, I, I love Frank. I don't know why. He's he's such a cool person. Too. He's so like chill. Problem is, though, he's a corpo. So I know they, they kind of suck. I know it's a very so, anti-capitalistic game. I know, but he's so cool. I like him. <laughs> just random character in the game, and I love him. <laughs> What about you guys? Have you been watching anything? Well, I was just um I'm gonna kinda pick three, but they're they're very similar. I just recently watched uh the Michael J. Fox documentary on Apple called Stale. Um then I watched the Rock Hudson documentary on HBO Max, and then I started but haven't finished the Wham documentary on I'm a sucker for a documentary, if you can't tell, mm. on um, Netflix. And the way that they use clips from um their movies. Uh, specifically with, I guess, the first two. And then there's um, an unpublished interview with uh, Mike, uh, George Michael and um, Andrew Ridgely. So they use clips from their films to almost speak. It's in context of what the storytelling is at that moment. And so it's taking things their characters said and kind of having them inform what the actor would be saying so it's a little bit of uh, it feels to this documentarian a tiny bit inauthentic because you're taking the words from the character and imposing them as what the actor was thinking at the time but it's an interesting way of storytelling so have you seen the david bowie documentary by chance no i haven't seen it but i heard they did something really unique with like the concerts I was wondering if you had to get a plan from you, but like, I, it might be one to look into. It's definitely one on my list. Have you seen Free Solo? Yes. 
I think we talked about this. Yeah, because yeah, we've done a podcast about it. Uh, oh. Have you seen the documentary about the last blockbuster? Yes. <laughs> and uh, last month, a new documentary. I don't know if you like like culty stuff. I do. Uh, there was a documentary called uh, "Shining Happy People." Is that the one about the daughters? That yeah, I can't. I can't bring myself to stomach that one. No, yeah, it's intense. I had to like watch one a day, and and with the last few, I had to like be on my switch while listening because it was a lot. Yeah, I actually started the um, Jared from Subway one and had to turn it off because I was just yeah. Oh god, I forgot about that person. Why'd you have to bring it up? Sorry, deactivate those neurons. (laughs) So this isn't necessarily current because. I finished it a while ago, but it does tie into this because uh, shrinking on Apple TV is great. And Harrison Ford uh, plays uh, a, 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 psych- a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist. And I think he may also be a replicant in that one because <laughs> he, his body is failing him. So I think that's the end of the four years. Oh, gotcha. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah. If that's the case, then I think I'll recommend two pieces of media that I've seen that remind me a lot of Blade Runner. So, uh, the conversation, like I said, mm-hmm. with Gene Hackman. Is it just because Harrison Ford plays a similar character? Yes, but it is also a noir. So, the premise is Ooh. the main guy, mm-hmm. Harry, uh, Harry, yeah, Harry Call, he records people and he listens to people all day. That's his job. And one day mm. he is hired to record a conversation. Right. Oh, have you seen it? No, but in film school, in film school, they showed us a clip. Of it. It's a very famous scene. I'm sure it's on YouTube yeah. because it's a very famous scene of the two yes, apartments. That's, that's the, the opening scene. scene, yeah. Yeah. It's a very good movie. We did it's it for beautiful. Our, we were on a podcast for our friend Armand called Syndicate. And he uh and it was uh what was the was it our house? But he did that theme? Uh yes. Yeah. It was our house. And you picked that one, I guess. It's, 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 so good. it's a yeah. good movie. And uh, my second recommendation, because I know you guys haven't seen it, uh, there is an anime that came out, like I said earlier, the year I was born. It's called Cowboy Bebop. Okay. So it's almost identical premise to Firefly. So it's just bounty hunters on a ship in space. It's their day-to-day lives. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of a vibe show. You kind of just have to vibe. Uh-huh. I will give you some, as a warning for that one, do not watch the Netflix live action. It doesn't do it service. The actors tried their best. The writers want to make their own thing that shows. I have a friend who saw the live action before seeing the anime, and he doesn't want to watch the anime because it's so bad. I have a co-worker who saw the live action and enjoyed it, and he's like, I've watched a little bit of the anime, but not enough. And I'm like, yeah, no, you haven't seen enough. You still like the live action. Yeah. Also, to add to the, like, this is what I really do recommend to everyone. The anime, you know how there's like that. Have you have you both seen any anime before? Mm-hmm. Oh, just clips for okay. me. So there's a thing called like anime bullshit, which is just like the stupid stuff that like a lot or like either stupid or just culturally different stuff that might not vibe. Uh, some of it is really stupid though. Uh, this has n- almost none of that. It's just like he made it because he's a huge fan of like Western movies and like mm-hmm. certain styles of Western cinema. And John Woo, a lot of John Woo. But uh, he adds all that together to create this kind of like newer genre. It's one, if there's anything I ever recommend people, it's that. Space Cowboy. Yeah. We, um, we actually, I'll give a little tip to your listeners. We run a contest. We've been doing it the whole year where um, 
every month has a different theme. We did it last year and we were very straightforward. And this year we're having the listeners guess what the theme is. And so the month of August is going to be Westerns. And so that's why we picked Blade Runner, because it's kind of like, you know, the sci-fi Western. And you've mentioned Firefly twice. That's going to be, I, th- I believe, our third movie that um, so your listeners got and a so little. So you place your tip. guess. And if you win, um, you get thrown into a hat at the end of the year. We're going to pick one person that win $100 on Amazon, like an Amazon gift card. And then uh, every month, everybody who gets a correct guess, we choose one of those people and they get to choose a movie for next year. So 2024, they'll get to pick a movie for our podcast. I suppose I would have to let you. That's right. (laughs) Super fan Ruthie gets to win. Um, And the last thing I'll say about Cowboy Bebop is uh, the main creator had a very creative approach on how to write the story. He went to his famous, one of his favorite artists, this uh, jazz singer, and he was like, I am giving you complete creative control. Make me an album. I will write my entire story off of it. So that's, can I I correct that? So because they just released an article about her like on Forbes two days ago and I just read it. So it's very fresh. Uh, She barely listened to jazz. She just wanted to, she vibes with whatever that she thinks the show should be. Uh, she, uh, I think. So they just collaborated together? Sort of. He get, he said, I want some scenes like this. She'd write the music for it. And then he would go back and completely rework the show around the music. Mm-hmm. Which is, right. I have the album on vinyl. It's so good. Probably Be Love is one of the shows, one of the best like, media thing ever that is totally so in sync with the score itself with the music the, the, <laughs> like it's 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 one of the major things about that show is that's why it's music. such a vibe yeah it's like <laughs> it's all built around the vibe yeah. also i recommend watching it in english dubbing not in the original japanese it yeah. goes either or but like yeah this uh, is one of the few enemies where the english dub is actually good and mm. totally you get the full sense i think no even what. the creator has flat out said he prefers the english mm. <laughs> didn't you say this was uh what was it it's the first episode like i'm sorry, I'm sorry. oh yeah didn't you say this was broccoli and beef this is mostly broccoli we can't oh, afford yeah. the beef <laughs> <laughs> didn't you say this is uh yeah oh was it? it was broccoli beef. Bro- bro- broccoli and, and beef? Yeah. And I was like, so there's, but all I see is broccoli. There's no beef. So you wouldn't really call this broccoli and beef. And Jet's like, well, yes, I would. He's like, well, it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess I'm supposed to go too, huh? Uh, hi, I exist. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Did you forget? I forgot I was going to talk. Yeah. Uh, oh, you say, did you forget you existed for a second then? Huh. Eh, that uh, you know, when you have like eight cups from seven people and you're supposed to be eighth, so other people and you're like, wait, why is there an extra cup? I'm like, oh, right, that's me. Anyway, that's- um, <laughs> God, I, we just finished Fruits Basket, which is in it. I don't watch my channel anymore, but she and I have been watching slowly this anime called Fruits Basket, mm-hmm. and it's pretty good, it's a pretty cute show. I would rec- it gets pretty dark. Um, the last season has one issue where the main story gets resolved basically, like with four episodes left. So it's just a four episode epilogue, which was nice. Could have been cut down to th- you could have cut an entire episode. 
I do need to see Fox Basket. It's so good. Everyone 2019, not the 2007. Yeah, watch the 2003 version. It's funny. No, no, don't no, watch no, the 2003 version. Watch the 2019 version. 2019. <laughs> I couldn't even last half an episode of 2003. Story. Watch. So you should. Shows. I don't watch shows. I watch movies. So treat it like a movie. <laughs> yeah. so One uh, very seasons. long movie. Three yeah. seasons. It's so <laughs> long. <laughs> hey Ed, uh, will you watch Attack on Titan, you liar? Anyway. So that's different. Yeah, but still. You have to it's leave the pause in mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your final, uh, what's your recommendation, Ed? Recommendation. Uh, oh, and you said Cyberpunk, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's okay. a media I've been playing since 2077. You should play that game. But for media, I mean, yeah, that's one. The other one is uh, just watch, because I did this. Watch Blade Runner and then 2049 back to back. It's really nice. Uh, for people who are going to play Cyberpunk, wait a few months. They're about to release DLC, and not just that, they're going to completely revamp the game completely. Yeah. Like, um, for free, along I with mean, the DLC. I mean, I got the game, but I got a bundle with, it comes with the with the DLC once it comes out. So oh, I you got, got the, the, oh, nice. I got the bundle, I got the game in the bundle for $60, which is less than what the game is worth. Because Steam Summer Sale. I paid uh, 20 f for GameStop. Yeah. And Final Fantasy 16 is 50% off right now. It, On Steam. It, huh. Wait, 16 or 15? 5-0. 5-0. Okay. I was thinking about it, but looking more into the gameplay, it's not like it. No, 16 is fun, though. Uh, that, I, that was going to be my suggestion at first, but because that game's amazing. Not my kind of thing. Hey, Dodge, uh, where can we find you on social media? Oh, yeah, she was plugs. <laughs> we are on um, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Are you going to be converting to Blue Sky or Threads? I've seen the threads about Threads. Uh, that, I don't know about Blue Sky, but... Um, Blue Sky is just shitposting. I love yeah. it. Well, it's kind of the tenor of our podcast is anti-shitposting. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if Blue Sky would be the place for us because we, as filmmakers, we know that even a bad movie, I know that everybody on Blade Runner, even though it didn't resonate with me, they showed up and they did their job and they did it well. I mean, for us to be talking about it this many years later, I mean, I... It was referenced many times in film school. So I respect and value those filmmakers that showed up and made this film. And for people like Eduardo who love this film, I'm happy that it's here. So it might not be our platform. <laughs> I, I, really, I really hope 2049 kind of finds that longevity because I, like, even with my list, I personally like the sequel more than the original. I enjoy. I think we went and saw it in the theater, didn't we? And I enjoyed that one. So it's it's <laughs> it's half hour longer, mm-hmm. and it's slower pace. On <laughs> like we maybe it was Ryan Gosling. I don't know. I mean, uh, two two of my top five movies have Ryan Gosling. Soon three once Barbie comes out. True. Once Barbie comes out. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Dune Part Two. (laughs) I cannot. All right, and what's my game again? What game? 
the social media game. Oh, I oh, love no. this game. All right. <laughs> Third so, game in a row. Third okay. game in a row. I'm not going to remember. All right, so we have an email, yes. which is reshootmoviepodcast. Nope. Ah, <laughs> reshoot movie. Nope. No, um, no movie. No movie. Reshoot podcast at, at gmail.com. Okay. Wow. If you send me a while, I'll beat you to death in my fair we face have, right now. We have a Twitter. We do. Where we tweet. Uh, that one is reshoot PO, reshoot movie podcast PO. No, reshoot movie PO1. Yes. Yes. All right. <laughs> All right. We have, we have a, we have a, uh, is the game just to see if Eduardo remembers your yes. um, social? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> ah. Movie PO one. Uh, wait, what else do we have? We have an Instagram. We have an Instagram. That one is reshoot underscore. Yes. Podcast? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next one. Next one. We have. <laughs> <laughs> we have a mastodon. I'll give you that one. Oh, we have a mastodon. Which we got into at first. That was the Reshoot Movie Podcast. I think it's a Reshoot Podcast. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got two new ones. We got two new uh-huh. ones? All right, give it to me. So we have no, one. don't give me the name. Give me what. what no, I never just what I'm doing. It's um, blue, we have Blue Sky and we did get on threats. Blue Sky. Reshoot Podcast. Uh, actually, let me double check. Let me check Blue I'm Sky. I'm, I'm trying to connect to my... They're both Reshoot Podcast. Ideally. 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 Okay. okay, it's reshoot movie po- at reshoot movie pod dot dsky dot social because the dsky dot social is always added to blue sky. Yeah, there's no way in hell you're gonna get that. Sorry, dude. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's reshoot wait, movie wait, pod. Reshoot movie pod. Yeah, that could be enough. Yeah. Yeah, reshoot movie pod for blue sky. Yes. And, and threads is reshoot movie podcast. No. I mean, reshoot podcast with an underscore. Yes. With a reshoot underscore podcast. It's, right? like, it's, it's the same Instagram. as Instagram. Say okay. It's a trick question. I will. I will admit though, if you go on our blue sky, it's just a lot of shit posting and just in general, like we're yeah. a lot more. I guess it's more of my personal thing. It's a lot more unhinged. So. We also have a Discord. We also have a Discord. Join us on Discord. Discord. There is an entire server on our uh, entire channel on our Discord dedicated to making fun of Ed. Yeah, for his request. Saying things to me. No, he wants it. He's been begging. Yeah. He's been begging. It's, You're like Jeff Probst at the at the end of the Survivor podcast that just finished with this last season. Jeff Probst had a segment and it was called Why This is Why You Suck. This is Why You Suck. And people (laughs) could I I, I honestly got the idea from a from a Twitch streamer that I have. He has a he has a little like command where it's just like saying things. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. I thought you were just a masochist. So so you just click that, it pops on his thing and he just says mean things to you. Yeah. (laughs) And his like the the like the Italian kind of insults. Thick skinned Ed. Mm. He really isn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that's Eventually all. I won the game. <laughs> uh, I think that's all we have for you. So uh, thank you for tuning in. I don't know what our next episode is. We still have yet to record Don't Worry Darling. So Actually, I was thinking about changing it. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. No, like I, I'll literally like I, I, sh- I won't even be there because there won't be any reason for me to be there. I had an idea for another. I'll tell you later. I'll okay. not speak <laughs> anyway. right. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for joining. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for having us, guys. Goodbye. Thank you for joining. Today's film was Blade Runner, directed by Ridley Scott. 
The writers were Hampton Fancher and David Webb Peoples, and the original story is Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, written by Philip K. Dick. The cinematographer, Jordan Cronenweth. Go show some love for this film on your very social media accounts. They made a movie, which is more than we can say here. We are back, baby! Special shout out to Dodge Media Productions for sharing the recording studio for the day and uh, participating in the collab. Our apologies for sounding different in this episode. Uh, Believe it or not, they know what they're doing and their equipment definitely shows. Uh, Give them a listen for a deep dive on all, all your favorite movies and maybe your next new favorite movie. And now it's time to dig into Don't Worry Darling. Goodbye.